1: left.
2: Welcome to another edition of the RotoWire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here, not with Alspurutha on this Wednesday, but with Mike Barner, uh, a longtime RotoWire affiliate, uh, does a ton of NBA content for us over at RW. Works uh, for Sportsline as well on their Early Edge uh, in the, the sports betting space. But uh, Mike, we, we've had you on the pod intermittently over the last few years. Uh, you're a frequent guest on RotoWire's XM show. Uh, you know, if, if you're a fantasy basketball player, you good chance you already follow Mike. On Twitter, if not, make sure you change that right now. But uh, thrilled that this worked out, and you know, hopefully, this is the the first of many more guest spots this season. How are you doing, Mike? I'm good, thanks. Thanks
1: for having me on. Yeah, it's always good to join the podcast. Uh, f- I'm finally on one without Ken,
2: so we might be able to stay on the rails uh, and actually <laughs> answer some questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I, sneaking in a little uh, train pun uh, with Ken, I like that a lot. Yeah, you, uh, like I said, you join the the roadwire XM show usually once a week. Uh, we're going to have you actually back on the show tonight. Uh, to to talk NBA, uh, full slate on this Wednesday night. Uh, I want to start with a few news items, Mike, and then we'll we'll work through some some more abstract topics. Uh, unfortunately, you know, injuries continue to be far and away the number one storyline uh, when it comes to fantasy basketball this season, and we got some good and some bad news on that front. Uh, I want to start with Kyrie, who missed last night's game against the Spurs, uh, dealing with some calf soreness by. A, my thing here is that this is not a big deal. I think that the Nets maybe thought they could win that game last night without Kyrie Irving, and that was not the case. It was an extremely ugly game, triple-double for Ben Simmons, uh, but with seven turnovers. Uh, obviously, we know this This Nets team is extremely top-heavy, and you take Kevin Durant away, that's going to cause some problems. You take KD and Kyrie Irving away, and this is you know one of the three worst rosters in the league, which, of course, is understandable.
1: Yeah, I think exactly like you said, that was probably a situation where Kyrie may have had just a little bit of a calf issue. And they said, "Up, oh, it's the Spurs. Take the night off. Uh, we won't need you for this one. Uh, they did need him, but I'm sure that that one game is not going to be something that makes or breaks in their eyes. Uh, ben Simmons, like you said, he was certainly more aggressive last night. He attempted 10 shots. Mm-hmm. That might not seem like a lot, but that's only the third time he's attempted at least 10 shots in a game this season.
2: Um, I don't, it doesn't sound like a long-term issue for Kyrie. So I'm not overly concerned. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, I I've actually gotten kind of been a little bit disappointed, uh, with, with Kyrie since KD went down and we've only had a, a handful of games. I think only two, uh, since Kyrie didn't play last night, but you know, 24 points against Boston and then 15 points in a loss to OKC, uh, over the weekend, I, I kind of thought we'd see Kyrie go wild without Kevin Durant and we very well, uh, still may and, Uh, Schedule-wise, the Nets do have a back-to-back coming up Thursday, Friday. They're at Phoenix tomorrow night. uh, Then they're at Utah on Friday. They play Sunday as well at Golden State. We'll see how many of those games Kyrie plays. And I I think if he plays a two out of three, you're pretty happy as a fantasy manager?
1: Yep, definitely. Yeah, I I could see that second game against the Jazz might be the one I'd be the most concerned about him sitting.
2: Um, Bradley Beal going to be back in action on Wednesday night for the Wizards. He's missed seven of the last eight games. Uh, they are in New York tonight. I thankfully stayed away from Bradley Beal, not necessarily by choice in in a lot of leagues. I, I knew you'd be getting him at a discount. I actually kind of liked him as a bounce back guy this season. Of course, he, he missed almost exactly half uh, of the 2021-22 campaign. And it, it, for the most part, he's looked good when he's been healthy. But you know, this is now, what, three different stints where Bradley Beal you know, has missed at least five games. Uh, at this point, he's only played in 24 total, so about half of the Wizards' games thus far. Uh, you know, the scoring is down relative to a few years ago when he was a 30-point per game guy, but the assists are, are, are still fairly decent, over five per game. The, the field goal percentage uh, is at a, easily a career high, 52.5%. So, if you drafted Brad Beal, it's been a good good deal on a per game basis. But um, you know, this just kind of feels like one of those situations where it's hard to imagine Bradley Beal coming back and now staying healthy magically for 90% of the season the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, Bradley Beal hasn't played in more than 60 games since the 2018-19 season. That's not an encouraging stat. Mm. Like you said, when he has been on the floor, his numbers are still good, but they're not the Bradley Beal of old. He's not an elite fantasy option anymore. I think if you get him healthy here for a couple weeks' stretch, start f- and you have him on your team, start floating out some offers mm. in the league, you might be able to get more based on his name and history than what he's actually currently worth.
2: Where do you think the Wizards go from here? By the way, Beal aside, uh, you know, there's an article <laughs> in the Athletic from Shams today about you know potentially trading Rui Hachimura. Uh, frankly, I don't think that affects the bottom line. I, I don't, I don't know if that changes anything win loss wise for this season. But I think it could be a signal that they're at least open to shaking things up. They're in 12th place in the East. They're eight games under 500. Uh, and they're they're within striking distance, at least, of teams like Orlando, Detroit, Charlotte, uh, and then in the West, of course, you know San Antonio and Houston. So I, I think they're they're one of those teams that's right on the borderline where you know they they got off to a, a reasonable start, they were hanging around 500, but they've now they've lost enough games where I don't think you could feel great about your chances to do anything. You know, even if you were to make the playoffs or the play-in, um, and they've also lost lost enough games where it, it's feasible that they could get themselves you know, into the bottom three or even the bottom five uh, when it comes to the Wembenyama sweepstakes.
1: Yeah, I think they would love to make, even though it's just the playing tournament, I think they would love to make it based on the way they've constructed the roster. The problem is when two of your best players are Beal and Porzingis that get hurt all the time, this is what happens. One of them goes down or, you know, <laughs> two of them could go down at the same time and you're in big trouble. Um, and that can happen at any point. And then they get healthy and you get a two or three week stretch where you look like a team that could do some damage. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of just hold pat, maybe make small deals around the edges and see if their core can stay healthy and maybe get them in the play tournament.
2: I, I feel like that's the wrong thing to do, but probably the most likely outcome based yeah. on recent history when it comes to Washington. They have been you know really averse to bottoming out and. You know, in a lot of ways, there is some dignity in that. I I think there there are some franchises that have attempted to bottom out and, you know, it's it's not like it's a guarantee by any means that if you, you know, you finish with a bottom three record, you're just automatically, you know, gifted a superstar and and you're fine for the next decade. That's not how it works, but I just don't see the upside here. I mean, even with a healthy Beal, are they what, like the ninth best team in the East at best, Uh, you know, like Washington versus Toronto versus Chicago, I think is is somewhat of a debate. Those teams are all within a couple of games right now. And um uh, yeah, I think Chicago and Toronto, you could ask those same questions. You know, I was I was actually in the house uh, at at Serve last night watching uh the Bucks take down the Raptors with no Chris Middleton and no Giannis. And I actually thought Toronto played a good game. Milwaukee just kind of shot the lights out. There was not a whole lot the Raptors could do, but it this is kind of an aimless team right now in Toronto.
1: Yeah, they're one of the more perplexing teams in the league because they f- they feel like they would be a great team for the modern NBA. They have a lot of guys that can guard multiple positions, and they're a long team. They just haven't been able to put it together, and they, they ride their starters heavy minutes. Uh, they do have a, a fairly decent bench, so it is a bit of a surprise that they play their starters so much. They, they are lacking at guard. That's an issue for them behind their mm-hmm. starters. They don't have great guard depth. They, you know, if they want to be sellers, they could certainly get a lot back for some of their players. They're an interesting team that could really change the trade deadline if they decide to get in on that side.
2: They go to extreme lengths to not sub. Like it's almost comical if you watch these <laughs> games. Like how, like, especially when you compare it and contrast it to like Milwaukee is like, you know, they're subbing at every timeout, uh, like every TV timeout, somebody's going in and out. There's always somebody at the scores table. Like I, I was watching the Raptors bench, and there's just like no movement. Like these uh, over half of the team just knows like I'm not seeing the floor tonight, and that's just how it's gonna work. And and last night it was 37, 37, 35, 40, 43 minutes for the starting five. And for, for fantasy, when those guys are healthy it could be a pretty major gift because all of a sudden someone like Gary Trent, like if you're playing 43 minutes, I don't care who you are. And if you're somebody who's willing to shoot the ball, like he is like, you're, you're going to put up numbers. He had 28 last night, four threes. Um, But I I think it wears on these guys. And you brought up a good point. Like I, 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 on paper, I actually like a lot of their depth pieces, but it feels like 85% of this roster is power forwards, big men, you know, kind of wing pieces. Like, who is even their best guard off the bench? Like, I, I don't even know if there's a real answer. Like, is it is it Malachi Flynn by default? Is it Delano Banton? Like, they don't really have anybody. Like, even the three bench players who played last night, Precious Achua, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Chris Boucher. Like they they literally did not play a guard off the bench.
1: Yeah, and it's crazy. They're actually kind of the opposite of the Bulls. The Bulls are all guards and no forwards. Um, maybe we could get them to meld their teams together. Uh, and make some moves that way. The unprecedented. Fix, fix both issues. Do it that yeah. way.
2: Um, I, I mentioned Milwaukee. Obviously, last night, uh, no real news on Giannis or Middleton. It's now four missed games in a row for Giannis. He was in attendance. He was on the bench. He, you know, wasn't wearing any brace or anything like that. Looks fine to me. I, I would still say that this is mostly precautionary. But you know, anytime you miss four games in a row uh, for a guy who just doesn't have a history of doing that, it's a little concerning. Uh, although you, you look back, like in mid-November, he missed three out of four games at one point. Uh, you know, two of those were against OKC. One was against the Spurs. So I, I think part of this is schedule related. And Milwaukee, you know, they, they've won two in a row without him. So it, it's not like it's really hurt them. We did get at least somewhat of an update on Middleton, Mike, who went down to uh, the G League to, to practice with the Wisconsin Herd. I did not see Middleton at the game last night. So I, I don't know if he remained uh, in Oshkosh or, you know, it's, it's just... You know, just wasn't there for whatever reason, but I think that seems like at least a like an incremental step that he's practicing in the G League.
1: Yeah, the Middleton situation's been weird. Uh, it's basically been a lost season for him. He's barely played. Even when he did have that little bit of a stretch there where he was healthy, he didn't look like himself. The Bucks obviously are not going to push him. There's no reason to. Same thing for Giannis. The luxury with Giannis is you got a guy like Bobby Portis behind him who's basically steps right in and he's not going to score nearly as much as Giannis does, but he's certainly worthy of starting on a lot of other teams in the league. Um, So the bucks are in a situation where they've been successful for a lot of years. They've put a lot of mileage on these guys playing in the playoffs. They got a chance to take a cautious approach with them in the regular season. They should do so. And that's exactly what they're doing.
2: I I maintain that Chris Middleton does not need to play A single minute, the rest of the regular season, and the Bucks can be just fine. I don't think Milwaukee at this point cares if they get the one seed, the two seed, the four seed, the eight seed. Like they're they're fine as long as Chris Middleton is playing in the postseason. And there's a a ton of time between now and mid-April, so I'm not panicking by any means. But at some point, you know, I, I don't I don't think the concern is that Middleton like won't be back by the playoffs. Like that's a given; he's going to come back. The question is, can he come back and play? 20 times you know, over the course of five or six weeks like he's going to need to if they're going to have a deep playoff run.
1: Yeah, in fantasy, terms of fantasy, I don't think he's someone that's going to be playing back-to-backs the rest of the season. He's probably going to be playing limited minutes when he does come back for a while. So that's, that's depressing if you drafted him. I have him in a couple of leagues. He's a key player for me in a couple of leagues. We knew he was going to miss some time to start the season, but we didn't see this other injury cropping up and keeping him out for so mm-hmm. long. Um, I, I don't worry about him when the playoffs roll around with his experience and how he plays. I think he'll have himself ready. Um, and like you said, the Bucks, they don't care if they're what seed they are. They care about having all their top guys healthy at the right time.
2: Bucks have five remaining back to backs the rest of the way., um, you know, certainly not a, a guarantee by any means that Chris Middleton plays in every other game uh, except for one half of those. but uh, certainly something to monitor. I, I think that's a good point. I would be shocked if he plays in any back to backs.
0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I
2: want to pivot to the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that I think kind of started off as this like, oh, they're fun to watch. They're playing better than we expected. But at some point, they're going to pull the plug and you know really turn this season around. I am convinced at this point, Mike, that you know OKC has now won five of the last six. All five of those wins have come by double digits. They are top five in net rating uh, since the beginning of the month. Like this is, I wouldn't say it's like a good team, but it's at the very least an average team. And of late, it's been a very, very good team. I think the Thunder are in too deep at this point. They're twenty-one and twenty-three. They're in tenth place in the West. I I don't know that they're necessarily going to go for it. Like I, I don't see them making an acquisition to get better. But I think it's I, I think the possibility of getting into the bottom three. I, I, It's just mathematically it's almost impossible for them.
1: Yeah, I think the tank is gone for the Thunder and SGA led them out of it. He's just been playing so well and they it looked like earlier in the season there was that one game where they listed him as out and it didn't seem like there was anything wrong with him and it was like oh great here comes the tanking mm-hmm. with the Thunder early in the season and then all of a sudden he went from out to playing that same day. He didn't miss the game. It was weird and since then, he really hasn't sat. And he's been playing a lot, and some of their young players have stepped up. The thing is, is they are so they have such a clear need that they could fix to get themselves into the play-in tournament. They need a center. I mean, they basically don't have one right now. They're playing extremely small. There's a lot of centers on the market that they might be able to get for not a lot of draft capital. Um, so it, it would be interesting to see. They could make a, a fairly smaller move, you know, go after somebody like Mason Plumley or – I mean, I'd really love to see them try and, and reach out to the Magic and say, hey, what do you, what do you want for Mo Bamba? I feel like he'd be a really good fit for them. <laughs> he's, he's young enough. He's not playing right yeah. now anyways for the Magic. Let's get something going there. That'd be, man, for fantasy, put Mo Bamba on that, that Thunder team that's got no centers right now, that would be fun. I, I'm all for that. I'm making a call. I'm, I'm trying.
2: Can I, can I raise you bowl-bowl? Is there any yeah. way, bowl all the way from the from the Magic? I mean, I, I it's funny. I, I've talked to uh, you know Brandon Kravitz, who who does some work for us at RotoWire. He's the, the radio voice uh, of the Orlando Magic down in Orlando, and we've kind of gone back and forth about the Bull bowl situation because you know I, I think fantasy wise it's been a fun story, but Bull bowl has just not really been quite as valuable over the last last month or so, and I still wonder like how big of a piece is he for them. Is, is it just kind of whatever you get from them, that's a bonus? Or do they consider Bol Bol like a true cornerstone of the franchise? And I mean, right now he's making nothing. He's basically on like a minimum deal. I think you get him for like 2 million next year as well. So I, I do wonder, like, could, is he available? Like if a team like OKC said, hey, we want to get Bol Bol, like what would it actually take to acquire him at this point? I, I really have no idea how to value him. Yeah, that'd be crazy. I mean, there's a
1: couple of guys, another guy I was thinking that they could probably get him for next to nothing. It's not like they have any cap issues but you're telling me like the Kings wouldn't take a, a second round pick for Rashawn Holmes and I you could just they would him in. do that. I mean, that would be awesome for the thunder. They would give up basically nothing. Right. They have plenty of cap space and he could step right in and play. You know, he's not going to play 35 minutes a night, but he could play 25 good minutes a night and help them when they play bigger teams. I mean, that's something that I would look into if I was, you know, the management of the thunder, <laughs> but I'm not,
2: unfortunately, um, Full so disclosure. What happens. yeah, unfortunately I have no connections there. Sorry. That is the one big hole for OKC, right? Is center. Like, I, I think oh, you feel yeah. pretty good. Obviously, you feel great about your two guards, SGA and Giddy. I think Jalen Williams could kind of float between the two forward spots. You know, Dort, I, he is what he is. I think he's a nice filler piece. I don't know if he's necessarily the future, but he's fine for now. It's it's actually kind of crazy that there are only two games for under 500 with Jalen Williams with an eye, Mike Ken Kenrich Williams, Eugene Omiori, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl getting most of the minutes at center and occasionally Poku. I mean, that's on paper. That's the worst center rotation in the league, right? Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they've had a better season than the bulls have. And look at all the guys, the
1: supposed big names, the bulls have on their roster. You have to (laughs) commend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. Can you imagine that? That'd be something. Um, Yeah. I, I'd love to see the center, the the thunder go after a center. I'm not sure they will, but maybe they do something on the fringes and just try and add a body with some size. And they could immediately become fantasy
2: relevant just simply because there's nobody else there. All right, I want to run through with the trade deadline coming up. It's about three weeks away, February 9th. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go through a list of names and you're going to tell me yes or no, are these guys dealt? And we can expound upon it from there if you want to give destinations, uh, you know, landing spots, things like that. Uh, but before I get into that list, I, I just want to do the, the Toronto Raptors as a whole. Like if, if you are in charge of the Toronto Raptors, I know you're not managing the Thunder. I, I have no idea if you're an executive... <laughs> for toronto but if you have any say here it it feels like they have to do something and given their history given who's in charge they're not the type of team to just kind of sit idly and, and accept their fate um and it feels like with each passing week you know it becomes clearer and clearer that this team is not really going anywhere in the immediate future who are you looking to trade who of the the core players are you hanging on to like what is the plan here if you're in charge
1: i wouldn't be trading siakam uh he's the guy that i would hold on to and continue to build around i really like him I think they could probably get the biggest return for Anunobi um, simply because of his versatility, his defensive skill set. Uh, he's a perfect fit for for the modern NBA. I think he would be someone that could get the biggest return. But contract wise, Van Vliet would be the one that would make the most sense for them to try and trade. Um, I, I honestly don't know what they're going to do or if they're going to make any big moves. They it feels like they if they had one and a you know one and a half to two week good stretch where they go I don't know like. Five and two, they're right back in it, and maybe they decide to stay
2: with it. So, I, I really have no idea what they're going to do. I, I also have no idea. I'll, I'll come out and say that for sure. <laughs> I, I think they're in an advantageous spot, though. I, I don't know that they can really go wrong. They're obviously the type of organization that you trust to. If you are going to make a deal, they're going to make sure they get the right deal. You know, you're not going to sell low on any of these assets. I, I think Scotty Barnes to me is close to off limits. Uh, although I, I've kind of you know, pestered Alex about this a few times since the summer of like, do the Raptors regret maybe not trading Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant? Uh, and now that Durant's hurt, you know, maybe that's a different question. And, and I think Barnes has actually been fine overall. I know he's been a little disappointing, hasn't taken a, a big step forward, but on the whole, I, I still think he's, you know, has an extremely, extremely bright future. So I, I, you know, holding on to him is by no means a bad thing, but Kevin Durant on this Raptors team, obviously it's a, a completely different season for them, but I, I don't see them moving Barnes, I'm with you. I think Ananobi, I wouldn't say he's the most likely to be dealt, but I think he's the easiest player to deal, due in part to his age, due in part to the versatility, and due in part to the fact that he has two more years remaining on that contract, although 24-25 is a player option. The question with with Siakam, uh, and and with Van Vliet for that matter, he is a player option in 23-24. Siakam under contract through next season, then he's unrestricted. Like I'm a big Siakam guy. I I think you could build around him, but if you're Toronto and you're holding on to him, does that mean you're willing to then sign him to his next and probably final, you know, mega contract? Like, are, are you comfortable signing Siakam to a four plus one in 24, 25? Yeah, that's, that's a tough question.
1: As as much as I love him now, you know, that could get ugly in a hurry there with one of those big deals and, and hamper you and making some other moves to improve the team. Um, I feel like he's someone I would I would take that risk on and sign him long-term, but mm-hmm. I could certainly see if they don't want to. I mean, it's a, they're, they're, it's, it's the weirdest situation. Other, the Bulls are a weird one too because they built up and ready to go. But this Raptors team should be much better than they are. They have the pieces. It's just not working out, and it's so weird. It's one of the most bizarre things for me this season. That
2: and how well the Thunder have played are the two things that stick out in my eyes. He yeah. Is 28, by the way. He's, he turns 29 in April, so you know we're we're talking. He'll be 30 by the time that that contract is up. It's it's such a dicey situation. I, I feel like with these contracts, like at the time it's signed, you just think like, oh wow, all right, this is fantastic. We will not have to worry about this for a while, and then like so quickly, you're already having to decide on the next contract. I mean, that, the Chicago Bulls, I feel like, are at that point with Vucevic and DeRozan already.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Vucevic is a free agent after this season, so that they gave up all those assets to get them and they had, it worked out for basically one season. And now it's, what are we going to do? Um, and at that point, it's almost, are they just going to throw a contract at him to try and keep him? Because it would look bad yeah. if they, they made one playoff appearance and gave up all those assets to get him. So it's, that could get ugly quick.
2: Well, I mentioned, I have a list of guys that I want to ask you, are they being traded or not? Let's start it off here. Vucevic is on the list. Does Nikola Vucevic stick with the Chicago Bulls after the February 9th deadline? Yes. uh, Management likes
1: him too much. Uh, I I think they would lean towards trying to give him an extension and keep him long-term. They just get, they gave up too much. They gave up too much to get him. And I think that they don't want to take the L and and trade him for less. Uh, I I
2: don't think he's going anywhere. Okay. There we go. Uh, DeAngelo Russell, Minnesota Timberwolves, unrestricted free agent this summer, uh, definitely motivation to trade him. I would say with, with that in mind, uh, I know he's best friends with cat, but other than that, I, I don't really know that he's a great fit in Minnesota. He is actually quietly having a really nice fantasy year, his best fantasy season since he was in Brooklyn, but I, it, it just kind of feels like he is one of those several pieces for Minnesota. That's just spinning its wheels right now. And I, I don't really see the Timberwolves, you know, ex- long term. So a name that's been bounced around all that much but i think he is a name that's going to heat up over the next few weeks
1: yeah i, I don't know i mean i don't know who would want him he he does he, he doesn't exactly play winning basketball no i mean we've seen that with all the stops that he's made i don't know he, he doesn't seem like a good fit if i'm a contending team that is not a guy i would want to add even if i needed a guard uh I, he's not a guy i would want to add
2: it was well, and it's tough too he's making an, a decent amount of money it's like there there are a lot of Good teams, I think, that would take him for free, essentially, but you know, giving up an asset for D'Angelo Russell, like to me, he just he seems destined to land in like Houston or for Charlotte, Detroit. Like, I I and I feel like he'd almost be okay with that. Like he kind of strikes me as the type of guy who would rather get 25, 7, and 5 on a bad team than average 15 and 5 on a good team. Yeah.
1: I mean, is he Dennis Schroeder? I mean, is it that kind of thing where he, <laughs> he puts up numbers on bad teams and yeah. he gets paid a lot and then no one wants to pay him and they're like, ugh. Well, we'll take you on the minimum, but we're not. We don't want you for that much.
2: Yeah, right. Somewhere between like a Schroeder type and like Stefan Marbury. I don't know. I have to work that workshop that one a little bit more. <laughs> uh, how about John Collins? It feels like we're going on year three or four now. Of are the Atlanta Hawks going to trade John Collins? Uh, the three point shooting has completely fallen off a cliff. It's kind of tanked his fantasy value. With that said, he's twenty five, and I, I'm still a Collins guy. Like I, I think he showed enough early in his career. Uh, to, to prove that he's going to be a really good player. And I, I think the Hawks just kind of built a really disadvantageous roster around him. I think he's kind of suffering from playing a little out of position, uh, having to play alongside Trey Young. Obviously, DeJounte Murray coming in that takes even more opportunities away. Uh so, so what do you see happening with John Collins?
1: Yeah, I think he gets traded because exactly like you said, the Hawks just seem determined to trade him. Um, he's not a great fit for what they've built and for his fantasy purposes, he's not in a great situation playing along all the guys that he's playing. I would love to see him get traded. Uh, the Jazz seem to be a team that's rumored to be interested in him. I don't know if, if they actually do that and how good of a fit that is either. Um, but I would like to see him get moved to a team that's doesn't have a, a ball hog uh, like Trey Young and, and you know also Murray there, too, taking up so many shots. Collins is basically left in a small role where he can't let his talent shine Um, you know, he's playing some big guy playing alongside some big guys too. It's just, it's not a good fit and it's time to move on.
2: Yeah, again, only 25, uh, you know, three seasons ago, he was averaging 22 and 10 with 1.6 blocks per game, 40% from three on a decent number of attempts, almost four attempts per game, 58% from the field, uh, ended up missing, you know, a decent chunk of that season with injury. And ever since then, just hasn't been the same guy. But like, I'm not inclined to believe that, for whatever reason, he got dramatically worse going from age 22 to 25. Like, that just doesn't add up to me. Send him to the Thunder. Let's do it. Send him to the Thunder. Send him to the Jazz. I, I would be okay with, with either of those. I think he's also the perfect guy who could go to a team like that and not impact the bottom line too much. You know, it's like if 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 the Thunder don't want to win too many games, you're not worried that having John Collins, all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're, we're too good now. Um, yeah. He's, he's also not the type of guy that, you know, jazz and you you want to continue to lose games like i I think john collins is a very good player he's not going to drag you to wins or or drive you to losses so i I think it's kind of perfect for those type of teams i'm going to throw two guys at you mike from the charlotte hornets kelly Oubre and mason plumley Oubre, i don't know that i think the hand hand injury probably hurt
1: the market for him um he was playing really well before he got hurt. And I can definitely see him being an attractive piece for a team looking for some scoring punch. Plumley, please trade Plumlee. Uh, we need to get some minutes for Mark Williams here. Uh, the, that, those basically two games where they let Mark Williams play, he looked really good uh, for fantasy purposes. I, I think Plumley gets dealt. I think he's the more likely of the, of the two to get dealt. They would probably like to trade both. Um, but I mean, Ubre is a free agent, so it's not like holding on to him is going to help their cause any for next season, unless he's someone they want to try and, and sign to an extension.
2: I think Ubre kind of has a sneaky amount of value, and it, it's tough timing for Charlotte that he's injured right now. Uh, yeah. I think for for their purposes, it would be ideal if he could come back in the next like two weeks and, uh, and just play like a couple games and just prove that he's healthy. Um, because I, I think you know, if you're trading with Charlotte, you're going to use that as leverage if he hasn't played. Uh, for a month, you know, leading up to the deadline. I know the expected timetable is like right around the deadline. You know, could 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 come back just before the all star break, could wait uh until after. But either way, I, I think especially if you could buy low, if you can get him for a slight discount, like what team would not want to have Kelly Oubre coming off the bench and just tossing up threes for twenty four minutes a night? Yeah, he
1: he can certainly provide a spark. If if you need scoring off the bench, here's your man right here.
2: Uh speaking of scoring off the bench, Eric Gordon. Uh, you know, not, not necessarily the the same guy, uh, that he was early in his career. You know, at this point to me, seems like much more of a name, uh, than than an actual producer, but he's just been in no man's land for the last four years now at this point, just kind of playing it out on these like terrible Houston teams. Um, you know, the production is down, the minutes are down a little bit this season, but I'm inclined to believe that in the right situation, like Eric Gordon still has something to provide. He is 34 at this point um, I, fantasy wise, I don't think there's a ton of upside here. I, I think he's most certain uh, to get traded out of Houston, but um, where do you stand on that? And and if, if you're in lockstep with the potential landing spots for Gordon.
1: Yeah, I do think Gordon's going to get traded uh, crazy enough. The, the reason why he hasn't been traded yet is because the Rockets, I don't know who they think he is. Do they think he's Bradley Beal? They seem to, they seem to have these astronomical prices that they, oh, they want a first round pick and a young player, Uh, need a little bit of self-awareness here of of what kind of an asset they have uh, with Gordon but yeah I I do think he finally gets traded I don't think they get a first round pick and a young player Um, I, I, I don't know I'd be surprised unless it's a very late first round pick I don't know why I'd be giving up a first round pick for Eric Gordon but yeah he's I think this is finally the Rockets finally have to loosen up the vice grips here a little bit and take a little bit less than what they wanted for Gordon.
2: All right. Staying in the Western Conference, Jakob Pertl, traded or not traded? Traded. The Spurs.
1: Although I did see a report today that they're asking teams for two first-round picks. I mean, who do they think he is? Timothy Mozkoff? I mean, we remember Mozkoff was acquired for a couple of first-round picks years right. ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's it's time. It's time to trade him. He's he's He doesn't fit the rebuild, the timeline that they're in. Uh, And he's someone that could get them at least a first-round pick back, if not a first-round pick and and an appealing young player too.
2: I I think one first-round pick, totally reasonable. I don't know what the protections would necessarily have to be on that. I mean, my my assumption is that he would be going to a good team, so you're you're likely not looking at a lottery pick. I know Boston has has kind of been the team that's been mentioned most with Pirtle. And fantasy-wise, that is very concerning. Like, Pirtle going from San Antonio to Boston would be disastrous please, we cannot let
1: that happen. Don't let Ken stick Pirtle on the bench and let him play 20 minutes a game behind Robert Williams and Al Horford. We cannot let this happen.
2: (laughs) Well, I I mean, I'm talking from a fantasy perspective, but we also don't don't want the Celtics to get even more quality depth. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. (laughs) Yeah, no, it would be, he's been
1: great for fantasy. Now, if he stays, there's obviously the concern about rest days down the stretch, but I would much rather deal with the occasional rest days than to have him go play 20 minutes a night off the bench for the Celtics. Uh, that would that would really hurt his fancy value quite a bit. All
2: right, that covers trade deadline. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to revisit that over the next few weeks leading up to February 9th. Uh, I want to pivot and, and talk a little MVP, Mike, and that this continues to be one of the most closely contested MVP races that I can remember. Uh, unfortunately, it kind of feels like Kevin Durant just by virtue of missing a month plus, might just be eliminated from this, and that's not always the case. You know, you, you players have missed time and and still very much been in the race. But when the other five contenders are this strong, um, I, I think that that might knock KD out at least temporarily. He's down at twenty to one now over at DraftKings. Nikola Jokic, the, the resounding favorite, plus one fifteen. Dodgess plus two seventy five. Jason Tatum plus four seventy five. Giannis nine to one. Embiid eleven to one. And you got John ja Morant hanging around. At twenty-two to one, is the Nikola Jokic can't win it three years in a row narrative officially dead? Because it's starting to feel like it.
1: That's garbage. Uh, there should be no voter fatigue. If a guy is worthy of being the MVP, he should be named the MVP, whether it's his first time, his third time, or his fifth time in a row. And he is playing like the MVP. He he's almost averaging a triple double for a center. And the Nuggets are one of the best teams in the league. Oh, and by the way, the guy never misses time. He's never played fewer than, I believe it's 72 games in a season. He's missed only four games this year. He's the MVP for me, and uh, I don't even think twice about it.
2: I'm with you on that, and I, I will say I'm pretty surprised like how little pushback there's been. Like, Ironically, after Jokic winning the MVP, uh, not unanimously, but you know, fairly resoundingly the last couple of years, it's, it now seems like despite everybody coming into the year saying there's no way he can win it three times in a row, it's like, he's kind of won all those people over just by, by being this good. Like I, it, it does feel like the narrative has started to evaporate. I still have a feeling that there are some voters that just will not vote for him no matter what, uh, especially because we don't have the luxury of knowing how this, how the playoffs play out before these votes come in. Uh, like there, there are always going to be those people that say like, well, you know, it, you can't win three MVPs and not have a ring. Um, which by the way, like, would you be okay with doing the MVP vote after the finals?
1: Mm, No, if it's the regular season MVP, the playoff shouldn't matter. Um, So I would say no, that's why there's a a regular season MVP and a finals MVP, two different things.
2: I'm with you on that. I I feel like the idea would be like people's heart would be in the right place, but it would be impossible to just not give the award to a player from the winning team. You know, it's yeah. like how do you how do you hand the award to someone who got eliminated two rounds ago if the voting is taking place after the finals? So yeah, I, I totally empathize with that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's I, I think Jokic should just been that good. Like it, it's a, a pretty basic take. Um, but there's just no, you know, there, there's no holes to poke at his case at this point. And and Denver being near the top of the Western Conference, they they are in fact in first place as of Wednesday, thirty one and thirteen, uh, essentially even win percentage wise uh, with a team like Boston, Milwaukee not far behind, like it's, it's just, I think it's everybody. I'm glad to see that. I guess people are coming around and kind of starting to throw away these straw man arguments with all that said, this is far from settled. You know, Luca is is very much in the race. I I think right now I would maybe do a little sprinkling on Giannis at nine to one. I think this is probably as high as those odds will be all season. And I I think if, and when Chris Middleton comes back, the bucks maybe have a run in them that propels Giannis back into this. But if nothing else, I, I know you track these odds as closely as anybody, Mike, like, it's pretty wild to see the variation. Like Giannis missing three or four games in a row, like that moves him from four to one to nine to one over the course yeah. of like eight days.
1: Yeah. I think because there's so many viable guys that could win the MVP, if you miss any sort of extended time, it really hurts your case um, because you know, you got guys like Jokic and and Doncic who just haven't missed many games um, and they have the stats to back up their candidacy. So if you have great stats and you always play, you know, same thing with kind of, you know, even though he's fallen back quite a bit in the chatter, same thing like Jason Tatum. He hasn't missed much time either. So you get guys like that who put up crazy numbers and they don't miss any time, it's hard to to pick someone over them who also has good numbers
2: but has missed 10, 15, 20 games by the time the end of the season rolls around. I, I think that might be the number one feather in Jokic's cap by the end yeah. of the season, right? Is it's, it's And that's part of the reason he's been so valuable the last two years and so valuable In fantasy is like per game wise, there are other players who are comparable, but you know, if Joel Embiid is playing 68 games and Giannis is playing 69 games and Jason Tatum is playing 71 and Jokic is playing 78. I mean, that, that is a huge deal. And I think it could be used as a tiebreaker, especially with how close this race is. Um, all right, before we finish up here, Mike, I want to talk about it. We're just past the midpoint now in, in the regular season hits misses. Regrets, victory laps, and fantasy. Uh, Who are the guys that first come to mind for you? All right. My hits, I'll kind of do rapid fire here. My
1: hits were Jalen Brunson for sure. Uh, I was part of the Jalen Brunson fan club heading into the season. Uh, He's even exceeded what I expected him to be. I was calling him uh, kind of like a Fred Van Vliet with fewer threes, but a higher shooting percentage. Uh, But he's been fantastic. Same thing, uh, Jordan Clarkson has really stepped up. I have him on a lot of teams. I'm a little worried if he gets traded um, that could, could kind of kill that momentum that he had built early in the season. Uh, and then for the nets, uh, Nick Nick Claxton. I never, I didn't think he was going to be this good in blocks, uh, but I knew he'd be a threat for a double, double every night with plenty of blocks for the Nets. So that, those were my hits there. Uh, what about on your end? Who are some guys that you hit big with?
2: Uh, very few guys have I hit it big with. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I have more misses than I have hits. Um, I Clarkson's one of my guys. I haven't been a few leagues that that's looking really good. Uh, he's kind of been keeping me afloat in the road to wire league where I was just ravaged by injuries early on. Uh, I would put Gary Trent in that category, you know, especially considering his acquisition cost. I know if you look at season long rankings, you know, he's not super high uh, just because he, he does have some pretty notable flaws. You know, the field goal percentage is not great, the free throw percentage is fine. Good, not great. Um, but uh, you know, he provides a ton of threes, a ton of raw scoring, Uh, you know, the steals are are up over one and a half. That's been nice. So, uh, you know, he was been a hit. I mean, I always end up grabbing Tobias Harris in like half of my leagues and (laughs) you're, you're never going to say like, man, Tobias Harris won me this league, but he almost never misses time. He just kind of gives you a solid like 16, six and three every single night. And you know, he's just somebody that I'm comfortable locking into a lineup, especially when I have Rudy Gobert and Kawhi Leonard. On that same team, guys who you know are, are liable to miss two games in, in any given week. So he's been big time for me. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily call Yusuf Nurkic a massive hit either, but he was somebody that I, I really kind of seeked out to target. Um, you know, I, I felt like he was going ten to fifteen to twenty picks later uh, than he should have been in a lot of drafts, and and for the most part, that one's paid off. Um, where are you at on Scotty Barnes, the fantasy player? By the way, he was kind of the one guy that I, I really felt like I went out of my way to reach for. And it hasn't been a complete disaster, but it's been nowhere near a success.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of sometimes we have to temper our expectations with these young guys. And sometimes they don't all advance so quickly. I mean, look at Lowry and It took a while. I mean, is in an ideal situation with the Jazz. But sometimes it takes these guys for a while to develop. I'm kind of in the same boat with you with regards to Barnes. But for me, it was Evan Mobley. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very high on him heading into the season. I took him in a lot of leagues. He hasn't been bad, but he just like Barnes, he hasn't taken that step forward. Um, so, you know, it's just they're not killing you in fantasy. Yeah. So it's not like you're – like it's, it's not like, you know, I took Cade Cunningham on a bunch of teams. It's not like you can predict injuries, but that kills you on a bunch of teams when you lose a guy like that. Mobley and and Barnes have been healthy. They've been on the floor, and they've been playing good. They just haven't taken that step forward that that a lot of us were hoping for.
2: A, a couple more guys I, I kind of forgot. Jaron Jackson, who, as of right now, is a first-round value in 9-cat per game. Obviously, you missed time to begin the year, so the, the, the overall ranking uh, is going to be depressed a little bit. But normally, he's the type of player who I would stay far, far away from. Uh, but I did buy in on him uh, in an NFBKC league and you know, just kind of t- hope that he's much time. And that was the case. And a complete monster. Since coming back. So he's somebody who was you know, 100% worth the wait. He missed the first month or so of the season. Uh, and then Jalen Brown, what was another hit in that same league? Uh, that's the only league where I have Jalen, but uh, I mean, he's been rocking. He's been out there.
1: Yeah, Jalen Brown is is a favorite of mine, and I always try to give him as many leagues I can. He's just so consistent. Uh, it stinks that he's hurt right now, but it sounds like he's going to be back pretty soon. Uh, he mm-hmm. could be back as early as their next game so that's great for the celtics yeah um, one one guy that I just want to highlight who has been I consider it a miss because of the way I was building teams around when I drafted him I did not see Rudy gobert just magically disappearing uh. in terms of blocks I mean normally when you draft gobert you say okay I'm set for blocks I don't really need to address this thinking about it later on in the draft um so i I took him in a couple leagues and and drafted as such, thinking I was going to get plenty of blocks, and he's averaging just over a block a game. I mean, it's awful. Um, the, the Timberwolves' situation hasn't worked out well, but the blocks part has been what's surprised me the most with Gobert.
2: Yeah, you're preaching to the choir here, man. I I kind of built my entire stake league team around Gobert and and Damian Lillard, and Lillard's been fine. You know, missed the time early on, but you know, he's been uh, you know kind of his old self when he's been healthy. But that's the thing with Gobert, like not only time and you know most recently I, I locked him into my lineup on monday he plays five minutes re injures his groin and he's probably not going to play the rest of the week uh but when he's been out there he just he's not been himself at all i mean he has he has fewer blocks than anyeka kongwu he has fewer blocks than anthony david who has played 14 fewer games he has the same number of blocks as pj washington john collins daniel gafford isaiah jackson like these guys are all within one or two blocks of Gobert. Like that's, I think that's, what's gone kind of undercover. We're not super in the sea is, you know, not only has Rudy Gobert not been an effective addition for the Timberwolves in terms of wins and losses, but statistically he has just not been himself. And the weird thing is we we now have a pretty extended sample of him with and without towns and it hasn't mattered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's struggled regardless of who's played with him. Um, I don't, maybe he's struggling with the system there, Struggling to the new surroundings, trying to get used to his new teammates, but I don't know. Blocks isn't a thing I would think would just disappear. I mean, that's a that's his defensive prowess. You know, his athleticism. He's. I, I can see scoring numbers going down. Yep. I can see not necessarily with regards to Gobert, but you can see assist numbers going down for guys on new teams and new teammates. But blocks isn't something. It's not like he's taking three pointers and he's not in the paint anymore. I mean, he's still Rudy Gobert and he should be blocking shots for him to, to have dropped so much. In that department is, is just baffling to me. Did you buy in on Brooke Lopez at all? No, I didn't. I didn't get him anywhere. I didn't take DeJounte Murray anywhere. Um, I really, I didn't take Donovan Mitchell anywhere. Those are all guys that I didn't. And man, am I, I'm kicking myself now with, with Lopez. The, I mean, he seems to have found the fountain of youth. I mean, he's. Uh, he, I don't know if he saw. well, you were there, so you saw the brouhaha with him taking the headband yep. off of Gary Trent last night. That was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, he's he's been great, and he's been healthy, which for a big guy who just had back issues is not something I expected.
2: All right, let's go on the other side now uh who are your biggest misses and you know they could be for injury purposes they could be guys you just misjudge but uh, I, I know you're in a, a bunch of leagues like i am like who, who's kind of killing you across those leagues yeah
1: i the gobert thing really hurt me i wish i, I should have taken more donovan mitchell it, it kills me that i didn't draft him i was scared of him in the new surroundings um i didn't i didn't like i said i thought mobley was going to take a little bit of a step forward so i thought Mitchell was going to take quite a bit of a step back in terms of scoring. He hasn't. Um, The SGA thing, I stayed away from all Thunder guys because I was worried about tanking. And not to have him anywhere at this point has really hurt me uh, in a couple of leagues.
2: Yeah, the the Gobert thing we've covered at this point, um, that's killed me. Uh, A month ago, I would have put Kawhi on this list, as you know. uh, But it's actually not been that disastrous since he came back. Uh, you know, in terms of total value, he's still at like 180 because he's only played 22 games. But in the games he's played, he's he's been a bona fide top 50 guy. Uh, so that's no longer uh, you know just like a, a massive minus. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I you know I'm, 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 there are just so many names spinning around my head right now. <laughs> um, You know, I I did go pretty hard for Josh Hart, and, and you know he's still top 75. Uh, which you can't expect him to climb too much higher, uh, but but of late, you know he's fallen off a little bit. Um, I, I, Donovan Mitchell has obviously played great. I would consider that a miss for me as well. I didn't have him in a single league. I thought the Mitchell Garland situation would kind of cannibalize both. And if anything, Garland's taken a slight step back. Like in, in no world did I imagine Donovan Mitchell going from Utah to Cleveland, joining a better roster where he's no longer the obvious number one guy. And putting up the best numbers of his career, like I mean, it's it's obviously been an incredible first half for him. But I, I did not see that coming at all.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. I would say another miss for me, and it was because of injury. Uh, I touched on briefly was Kate Cunningham. Um, I have him in the uh, FSGA league. Uh, I'm the defending champion, and I started out with uh, I have him, and I have James Harden. So with that, really killed me. I'm I'm struggling, yeah. uh, and that because of that. I had Cunningham and a couple other leagues. I was very high on him coming into the season. I thought this was going to be another great campaign for him. Everything was lining up for the Pistons to actually be kind of dangerous with him leading the way and the improvements that they made in the offseason. And then just that injury, when you take a guy that early and you look on him for that much production and he goes down that early in the season, uh, it, it can definitely be crippling.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I will say I avoided RJ Barrett this year. Uh, he's been a thorn in my side the last few years. I, you know, that that's been a you know, one of my big wins was just not having to deal with that. Uh, you know, as usual, the highs with Barrett are, are pretty high, uh, but the lows are are extremely low. And he's just he's one of those one of those guys who's a uh, better real life player than a fantasy player. Like the stat profile just doesn't really lend itself uh, all that generously. Uh, we'll close on this mic. how about the rookie class? You know, other than Paolo Banqueiro, who doesn't really rank that high, you know, not as high as you think based on the raw conning stats. You know, he's at like 130 in total value, nine cat. Part of that is turnovers, part of that is just you know inefficiency shooting the ball. Uh, but obviously, if you if you plan your roster a certain way, he's much more valuable. Outside of that, you know, it's been a lot of ups and downs for Keegan Murray, Jabari Smith, Ben Matherin, Jaden Ivy. Like this, it, it's still a really exciting rookie class, I think, going forward. But it, it's been a little underwhelming fantasy wise.
1: Yeah, if you're in a redraft league, none of those guys are really someone you can count on. Obviously, for Dynasty League, they've all shown promising signs. Um, but, I mean, as a for instance with with Jabari Smith, I mean, he's basically just taking three pointers um, with how often Green and and uh, and Kevin Porter Jr. handle the ball. There's just not a lot for him to do otherwise. And Keegan Murray's on a Kings team that wants to make the playoffs now and has a ton of options around him, so they're not exactly pressing him to do a lot. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of encouraging things, you know, with Ivy and and Matherin. And so it, it's just unfortunately if you are hoping on uh, counting on them for immediate production in a redraft league, it's it's tough, and, and that's the way it should be with rookies. They're not supposed to take off right away. They're supposed to be some bumps in the roads as they develop.
2: All right, man, I think I think this covers it. We we, we covered a lot of ground here. Yeah, uh, you know, really excited for the trade deadline coming up in a few weeks. Glad we got to do this. Uh, you'll you'll be on the XM show later tonight so we'll push this pod out in the afternoon hopefully you hear it then you can tune in hear mike again on sirius xm a few hours later uh tell everybody else you know where else they could find your work uh your your your, your multimedia stuff over at SportsLine as well
1: yeah i do uh, work for quite a bit of different sites so the easiest way to get your hands on all my work is to follow me on twitter at roto mike barner i've got links to all my articles and pics and dfs stuff so just uh, check me out there Oh, you got some TJ McConnell
2: plays coming up tonight? Is that right? Oh
1: man, I've been waiting for them to release TJ McConnell props and I saw them today and I'm just I'm just so excited. Uh the cockroach, as Ken affectionately refers to him as, has been lights out, and I'm so excited to to put some shekels on some TJ McConnell props.
2: All right. Well yeah, check out Mike's work over at Rotowire. Check him out at Sportsline as well. I know you've been Do it really well uh, with your early edge picks this season. So if you're looking for some NBA betting advice, make sure you give Mike a follow over at Roto Mike Barner. All right, man, we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate you doing this. Thanks, Nick. I'll talk to you again tonight.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.